Hello and welcome back to the simplicity of happiness. Today from Kizimkazi Zanzibar. This is episode number eight. I am Florian Hornig and you can call me Flo. It has been some days since the recording of the last episode and I did some traveling in between. So this is the reason why I am sitting in Kizimkazi Zanzibar as I record this at the very moment. I decided to give the episode and the recording a realistic touch and leave the background noise in the recording as far as possible to keep it real. So you might hear those animals, birds, sheep, chicken, roosters. I'm not really sitting in a studio, but um, more on my rooftop of uh, the lodge in Zanzibar. In the last episode, I was mainly talking about our year traveling in Emmer, our 45-year-old Mercedes, which happened to be a major turning point for myself and the finding out and well it helped me finding out what matters most in my life as i mentioned in the last um, episode i we had moved to switzerland in the summer and um, were living above the tuna lake we had not really settled yet and judy already came up with a new idea she planned to show me her second home as she calls it tanzania in east africa To be honest, at that time, I was not too flattered about the idea. Which is strange enough, though. You have to know that Africa has been one of my biggest childhood dreams. But at that time, I wasn't even thinking of that when Judy mentioned it to me at the first time. Settling in Switzerland had not been as easy as I thought, though. I have to clearly admit It is one of the most beautiful countries and combines most of what I was looking for in my daily life. I love being in nature. I love the mountains. I love the blue sky. The scenery is as perfect as it can be. And the mountains are rough and high, so you can't use them for agriculture, not to talk about building cities. What remains is a magnificent nature with a stunning landscape with some of the most beautiful single trails to be discovered. It is quite a unique combination of nature and civilization. Because you are still in the middle of Europe. It's easy to get anywhere, by plane, by car, and even most important, by train. Train is my personal favorite. Because I don't have to stay in one seat for the whole trip. I can get up and run away, change seats, talk to other people, sit in the board restaurant for a tea. And um, I can board and exit the train in the middle of the city. And I don't have to drive to the airport. And not talking about the ecology level at all. Most important, 
I don't have to drive myself. That means I can concentrate, I can read, I can write. And my mind is best and most creative when I'm on the move. So my travel days are work days. And I basically reach my destination the moment I leave my office. For Judy, the combination also seems to be just right. We can enjoy the free time in the mountains and still there is a hospital close by for her to work as a surgeon. So Switzerland was and still is a perfect place for Judy and me to live at. But there's a big but around the corner. Living in a city like Berlin for 10 years, a city that is known for its creativity and its tolerance, And then coming back from a six months journey of living absolutely independent, always camping wild, never staying anywhere for longer, living in Switzerland seemed to be a bit of a hassle. That was like moving in in Middle Earth with all the hobbits around. Our car created so much distraction that police showed up everywhere once in a while to check why there was a car with a foreign license plate in the village. People complained that the car was too old and that we should buy a new one. Because that's the way you do when something gets old, right? Registration of the bus in Switzerland turned out to be almost impossible. We were checked where we throw our garbage, where we park our car, um, when you wash your clothes, when you play an instrument and so on and so on. It felt To me, like somebody was always looking over my shoulder and checking on me. I knew before we moved there, things were expensive. But, for example, internet added up to over 100 bucks per week. And I started to get a little frustrated. I felt restricted and was sorry about my freedom. You see, every situation has a positive and a negative side. You can review everything from a different angle. What happened to me was that I <clears throat> that I somehow lost the positive perspective to viewing things. I turned out to be not open to other things because I was a little stuck in my negative state of mind. And in that state of mind, Judy came up with the idea to travel to Africa with me. Obviously. For her, that was very important. And she hadn't visited Tanzania almost twice a year, but not at all since, since the two of us met. Because I, need, I, I, I knew, I, I even knew when we met about the importance. So I agreed on the condition that we would not only meet friends, but would really travel around the country. And here comes the important part. After I agreed... I took the decision to be positive about the new adventure and instead of being passive, I decided to become active. What made really all of the difference was that I focused on what I really want and expect when I go to East Africa with her and what I would do and experience while being there. Like it had been my own idea in the first place. And All of these ideas about Zanzibar, Stone Town, a place I read so much about, Kilimanjaro, Ngorongoro Crater, and the Serengeti came back to my mind. 
Once I started thinking positive about the whole idea, these childhood memories came back to my mind. How long had I been dreaming about Africa and its wilderness? Now I started to realize that so many places I had only heard about or, or read a book about but and always wanted to see actually were located in Tanzania and East Africa. The idea popped up to do a round trip with Judy and then stay for another month to really get to know the country. I think it's always difficult to understand the places you visit as long as you stay as a tourist. So my plan was to stay in Stonetown for a month and work online while I was there. Having decided that, I was anxious and looking forward to see it. I also looked brighter at our stay in Switzerland and saw more and more of the positive ideas. The trip itself turned out to be well, one of the most magnificent ones in my life. And in the end, it was even life-changing. So in early um, November 2014, I went for just another crazy trip to Sahara. It had rained before and um, it started raining again when I was there. My initial idea was to visit the Sahara when it potentially could be full of flowers. Um, but now that it was raining again, streets were flooded, bridges collapsed and I ended up in a Tagazut to wait for better weather. You remember? Tagazut was that surfer village in Morocco where the picture was taken that I'm using for this podcast. And um, after I stayed there for some days and the weather cleared up, I made it to Mamij, which I found cut in two sides of a majestic river. This river drowned had decided not to disappear in the ground anymore, but make it all the way to the Atlantic Ocean, taking everything with it that it could get hold of. What a learning experience for me once again. I, I saw that nothing had to be and stay as it is. Everything may change immediately. And in the end, there's nothing we can do about it. Except what is and be mindful about the future. And again, I could see that everything has a positive and a negative side of the story. Rain in the desert will fill up the water reservoir and may provide life for the years to come. But the moment it happens, it means immediate destruction. Camps are destroyed, tourists stay away, half the city is cut off from any food supply and camels drown in the floods. Still, people in Mamid Focus on the positive outcome. How amazing is that? So once again, it's not as important what actually happens, but you, what you think about it will define your life. After my rainy adventure in the desert, I crossed the country by night bus, stayed overnight in the old town of Casablanca and caught a flight the next day to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania out of the freezing desert into the tropics. Boy, it was hot and humid. It felt like Cuba on a hot summer day, but was only six in the morning when I arrived. And what followed were three weeks of local transports through East Africa. Having lost my luggage for a week and only one set of clothes in the tropical heat only completed the picture. 
We spent the first week in Zanzibar with Stonetown, the East Coast, or Easty Coasty, as they say here, and the North. Then we took a local Dao, which is a original old wooden Arabic sailing boat. This one actually had a motor to Pangani on the coast of mainland Tanzania, and then a motorcycle taxi, then um, a local bus, which they call Dala Dala, through the roughest dirt tracks to Tanga. Then we caught a bus to Usambara Mountains, Kilimanjaro, Moshi, Arusha, where we rented an old small Defender. And then we went our, on our own unguided safari to Ngorongoro in Serengeti, where we could actually drive ourselves. And we slept in, in my little tent, actually the one that I already used in Sahara. Well, I didn't use it, but I was carrying it around. So it was good that we still had it. In Serengeti, there was the strongest rain ever. I thought we'll be stuck forever, not knowing what animals are around. We saw lions, buffaloes, rhinos, elephants and a hyena that sneaked up to our fire at night to steal our cooking pot just before we went to bed. And all of this happened within just a very few days. Two days before Christmas, we were back in Dar es Salaam and on the 25th in the morning, Judy left for Europe. It meant back to work for her and back to Zanzibar for me. The following di days, I tried to get accustomed to African island life. Although I had been there just some weeks ago, I could already tell that Totally is a different story to only visit a place and wander around and watch the people or to try to have a daily routine. First, I tried to find a quiet place to work, which was not the easiest place. Well, I'm, right now I'm sitting in the countryside and you can still hear um, what's going on. But in Stonetown, in the, in the city itself, well... That was tricky, especially because I wanted it to be outside. Inside it was just too hot and sticky. It was almost impossible to work inside for me without flooding my keyboard with my own sweat. I was generally working with a towel in reach. And um, outside most places were not designed or meant to stay longer, so... That uh, first days I started exploring the town for cafes and places where I could stay for a while. Stonetown is so much of a tourist place that it's quite difficult to meet the same people more than two days in a row. Soon they already leave for either the lodges at the coast or the national parks on the mainland. Every day you meet new people so you're not really hanging out with the same group of people day in, day out. And you'll end up having a lot of time for yourself to think about life and what you really want. Because I had so much time, I really needed to structure my day. And when I got up, I had to find out what would I do first, where will I get my breakfast, where can I stay for online work, checking my mails, where do I go for scheduled phone calls, where am I, am I in a good surrounding for writing peaceful. 
not having neither internet access nor phone connection at all the time made me focus on what I need to do where. So I, I got up, went for breakfast at a place where I could check my mails. I gave myself two hours for that and closed my email account afterwards, not checking mails until the next morning. And that gave me an unbelievable amount of time that I did not, because I did not re need to react to anything. And I found out that before that, my office hours mostly consisted out of reacting to things that other people did. So afterwards, I either had phone calls scheduled or had another two hours for conceptual writing. I mean, really creating stuff. It was amazing when nobody call, could call me in between. They had to text me and schedule a call. And that way I could do focused work all day long. Then I went for lunch somewhere else and went into my afternoon office until I went for a run to exercise. After running, it was already dark and I spent some time reading at home before I went to bed, still sweating and hoping we won't have a power cut at night that would make my fan turn off. And this is just an example. And you can handle it any way you want. But to schedule those interruptions away is a big deal in getting some stuff done. So ask yourself, where do you have the biggest interruption through your, well, private day, work day, whatever, and ask yourself how you can get rid of, rid of them. Maybe you can group them together and interact with people and then you get some focus time again. Nowadays, I'm using a tool where people can actually schedule a call with me online. It's called youcanbook.me. So you can find it online and it's... Uh, It's uh, free of charge if you're just using one account. And um, it's possible to implement it in your website or as a standalone solution, as you like. I started writing every day and I wrote about what I was actually best at at the moment. Structuring my workday without an office. So I wrote a little book called Officeless Office, with, which is at the moment only available on request. When I was done with the little book, I asked myself what to do with it. And uh, so I created a webinar, which I successfully launched and am giving every few months since. By the way, the next will be on May 11th. So if you're interested, you will find the link in the show notes or on my website, glücklichtrainer.com. It's interesting that I didn't have the goal to make a webinar, but started creating something else and ended up with two products in the end. It showed me that having a goal is only one part of the story. What you do on your way toward the goal is a totally different one. If you want to achieve something very specific, it helps to make your goal smart which means specific, measurable, attractive, realistic, and timed. But for all the bigger things in life, it might be better to know the direction you are heading. So instead of saying, I want to reach that one place, it could be better to have the plan to just go south 
once you say it's just a place, you might uh, end up reaching that place and then you ask yourself, where do I want to go now? And then you go into maybe a totally di different direction. So if you say, well, it's I'm just heading for a direction and not for a goal, then you might achieve some really incredible stuff on the go. Well, my goal was spending time at beautiful places. I didn't know where exactly that was going to be, but when I saw a chance, I was taking it. So may it be by accident or may it be my ingenious plan that I met Omari during my stay in Stonetown. He owns a little place near the beach in Kizimkazion in Zanzibar's south shore at the Indian Ocean. You may have already guessed it. Well, it's exactly that Kizimkazi where this podcast is being recorded at the moment and you hear the sheep in the background. But how I got here will be the story of the next episode in, in detail. And also the last one in this introduction series about myself. Podcast number 10 will be the first regular episode about the simplicity of happiness. Thank you for listening today. I hope to have you back for the next episode in a few days. Until then, please consider that this app, this, well, this episode and the whole podcast is and will remain absolutely free for you. If you like today's episode, please let me know by giving me feedback. Get your cell phone out of the pocket right now and comment, like or rate the show depending on how you're listening to it. If you have another idea or question, send me an email at flow at simplicityofhappiness.com or write a comment uh, on the website and I will answer for sure. As I already promised in the last episode, there will be the chance to win a one-week vacation to Sahara for everybody who comments already the show. Until then, keep in mind to focus on what matters most in your life, because you only live one.